Hey, what is up, everybody? This is Rob Rivera. And this is Rob Rucha. And you're listening to the Robcast Podcast. 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 All right. So we are, are back here. It's Robcast Podcast this season four. Episode what? Seven. It's been a bit, so. Yeah, but six was Tremonti. Yeah. So. yeah. Seven. Episode seven, and uh, we are in March already. Wow. Yep. The year's going pretty quickly. Uh, hope everybody is out there staying safe. Um, so far, you know, looks like things are on a upward spiral, I guess, I want to say. Things look positive. Yeah. It's better than one year ago when everything was getting closed down right about now. Yeah, so let's hope, you know, that uh, we can flatten this curve and we can uh, get back to business, you know. I'm sure everything will be fine. We just, you know, we just want it to be quicker. That's all. Yes. But um, no guests this week. Um, we are going to be talking about an album that just uh, celebrated its 35th anniversary. Correct? If I'm right. Uh, yes, 35th. It out, yeah. It came out on March 3rd of 1986 on Electra Records, and that album would be Master of Puppets by Metallica. So we're going to talk about the record, uh, talk about some memories about the album. And uh, Rob, would you like to start off by basically, like, when did you hear Master of Puppets? Who introduced you to that album? Like, what was your, what, what, how did it, did it affect your life, the record? Um, okay, so here's an interesting uh, chronological thing is I actually discovered and got into Megadeth before I got into Metallica. Metallica. Really? Yeah. I mean, as far as music and exposure, I had first heard the, I think it was, might've been Peace Sells Who's Buying, or was that about the couple years after? Was that in the eighties? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So my next door neighbor turned me on to Megadeth and then told me that that guy used to be in Metallica. Metallica. Okay. And I was like, oh, well, then let me check out Metallica. And of course, the recommended, you know, albums at the time were, I think, Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, right? Mm -hmm. Or Kill Em All and Master of Puppets. Ride the Lightning, I don't, I think was after Master, right? That was before Master. Oh, you're right. Okay. But it was Ride the Lightning. I mean, sorry, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, lightning Master. Then Master. Yeah. yeah. So I had listened, started with, you know, Kill Em All and Ride the Lightning and then got to Master of Puppets. And that's about the time my next door neighbor was my first guitar player in my high school band. And that was about the time I started to play bass. Mm -hmm. And that's Master of Puppets spoke to me as far as bass playing in heavy music. And of course, that was Cliff Burton. And, you know, the the tragedy that happened and, and, and Metallica losing him and the world losing him. It just spoke to me more as a bass player and, you know, never, never got to see Metallica with Cliff, mm -hmm. but did get to see Metallica with Jason on a summer festival here in Chicago. That, summer Sanitarium? Uh, no, it was, uh, God, I forgot the name of it now. It was Sweat Fest, I think was the name of the actual, like. And Metallica was the headliner? Metallica was the headliner. Soundgarden was before them. Uh, God, so many different bands. Incubus, I think, was on that tour, and it was like like early incubus like uh, like uh science. science yeah nice um so it was it was definitely like a radio show but of course metallica headlined and um yeah i mean got got to see them play but not with the original lineup but still yeah i mean that was probably 88 89 when i started to really really get into that album yeah so it had been out for a few years and i mean i was late to the game but i was late to the game on metal anyway yeah. Like I was into more, uh, you know, jazz and, and funk and things from the 
the 80s, like Michael Jackson and like those kinds of things mm-hmm. until I got introduced to Megadeth and then through Megadeth Metallica. So Megadeth basically introduced you to metal. Yeah. Megadeth okay. was, and Testament. Megadeth and Testament were my neighbor's favorite things. Alex Skolnick and Marty Freeman. Alex Skolnick, Marty Freeman. That's all he uh, kept talking about. It's too, uh, it can't go wrong with those two. And then Dave two. Mustaine, you know, being great right-handed rhythm player and the singer for Megadeth, but used to be in Metallica, that led me straight into the Metallica world. Uh-huh. So what, what was like your standout track on there? Uh, Master Puppets was yeah. Orion. I mean, Orion was the, you know, the first time I had heard um, I mean, Master of Puppets as a song is very dynamic, you know, goes from being so heavy to that melodic breakdown with harmonies Bridge, yeah, and yeah. acoustic guitars and very, you know, only to lead back up into, you know, heavy. And Orion was a similar kind of thing. You know, it was that sense, but with bass, you know, and then the harmonizing guitars. And then as far as a bass player goes, you know, I played four string bass at that time. So learning that was something on my plate. You know, I was like, oh, I got to play the bass line for Orion, you know, and then my guitar players in my band would start to try and do the, you know, harmonizing guitar things. And my drummer was a huge Lars fan in my high school band. So it was definitely, you know, the time for all of that and getting into, you know, metal and Metallica was, you know, one of the greats of the big four. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty much the biggest of the big four, you know, like, uh, Oh yeah. And to me, I mean, for that record, for me, I mean, anybody that knows me knows my like, connection the worship i have of that album if that was the only album that i could own i would be all right you know saying every single song on that album spoke to me that that record pretty much saved my life when i was a teenager because i was heading uh in a weird road with you know being a little punk or whatever you know and trying to i was hanging out with the wrong people and when i got into music and especially that record like was like life changing, and even though I started with Metallica from the very first album, and the first album I heard was Kill 'Em All on a radio show, but Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning were both out at the same time; they were already out, mm-hmm. you know. But I had not heard of it, and then when I and I, but I listened to Metallica in actual order. I listened to Kill 'Em All, then I listened to Ride the Lightning, then Master of Puppets, and I was like, the the growth in that band was absolutely insane, like how. They grew from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning, and Ride the Lightning they topped it with Master of Puppets. You know, a lot of people do like to Ride the Lightning more than Master of Puppets. I think I think it's a very almost an even, an even thing with both of those records. But to me, Master of Puppets was like, I remember getting that record. I was at the mall in Puerto Rico, at the mall in my area called Bayamón. Place was called El Canton Mall, basically a Canton Mall, whatever. So. They had a record store. We had no internet. We had no no Facebook, nothing. We had, there was magazines. Like I didn't know when releases came out. I went to the record store. I was on a date. Yeah. I went to the record store, and I uh, saw. I was looking through the metal or whatever, and I saw the Metallica record. I said, oh, whoa, what the fuck is this? Like a new Metallica record, and the records were like 10 bucks at the time. Yeah. Then So I went to my date. I borrowed $10 from her. I bought the record, and I split. I left my date at the mall. And to, I mean, it's a horrible thing. It's just one of the shittiest things I've ever done. But I was so like desperate to go listen to this album. And I've never spoken to her again. Like that was the last time we spoke. That's a very dick move. It was. It but, was. I mean, that's also very dedicated, you know, to, I mean, to your craft as dude, a musician. And the thing is, I think if I wouldn't have done that, 
that dick move, I guess, you know, and, and I just I felt terrible for years. But whatever, you know, it's been however long, 30, 35 years ago. So I went home and I listened to that record and my whole life changed. Like I changed listening to Battery to the intro with the acoustic, with the classical nylon guitars. Oh, yeah. Into that, dun, 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 that, and then the, oh, dropped your phone. And you hit the mic stand. That's okay. Breaking all sorts of stuff right. here. So, and then that riff came in, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And then when his vocal came in, I was completely like transformed. Like, oh my God, this is the greatest rec- like greatest intro I had ever heard in my life compared to all the records I'd heard before. And it started a love affair where I had a bunch of posters on my wall. Of different, I had Ozzy, Rush, Scorpions, Van Halen. I had some Metallica, Anthrax. But when I heard that record, little by little, I started taking down. I'm gonna take out the Ozzy poster, put this Metallica. I'm gonna take out the Rush poster, put it, and it became all Metallica in my room. Like the entire room, my bedroom was all Metallica posters. Like where I had pictures about the thumbnail of a <laughs> when you see on iTunes. If yeah. I saw a picture that small, if I could fit it, I had no wall. You could see no wall. Everything was, was a, a collage. Everything was, all four walls were pictures. And I had even pictures on the dresser because I ran out of wall. <laughs> and, and, but the record, I mean, still to this day, I listen to that record once a week. Like I've been list. I don't. I could probably say that I've heard that record at least twenty. Are you listening to the remastered version? Yes. Yeah. Like I've listened to that album at least twenty five hundred times. It had from nineteen. You got to think of all those days because I listened to that when I got home from the fucking mall. I listened to the record over ten times. I went flipped it over and put it. As soon as I was done, oh, I'm gonna listen to it again. I didn't leave my house. I got home like maybe at one o'clock from the mall. And I did not, I stayed in my room, except I went to go get some food and I brought it back just to listen to that record. I had my guitar, I had like a Kramer Striker with a PV something amp, combo amp, trying to learn these riffs. I was, I, I just don't know how to explain it. Like that record to me means everything to me. I mean, I, there's a lot of records I love, but that one tops every single one of them. Well, and and from a you know early on growing up and and listening to metal and listening growing and being a recording engineer, um, you know that album had like pushed the boundaries as far as production and sonic quality of an album for that genre. Like a lot of the the previous albums, like I mean, Kill 'Em All did not sound as good as Master of Puppets did originally, and Light, Ride the Lightning was a little bit closer. They were kind of evolving with technology as they were getting better you know, outboard equipment and, and tape machines. And I mean, those albums, you got to understand they were done like, you know, the old school way, right? Just live rolling tape. Yeah. Like no click tracks playing live, uh, playing like they did. And that was what made, you know, and a lot of people nowadays are, are so oversaturated with so many different styles of music and so much music out there that you got to remember back in the eighties, the bands that you heard were the were the cream of the crop you mm-hmm. know like they were they were selected for people to understand that this was what good music and good musicians were and they played great together and it wasn't programmed and it wasn't edited and and you know i mean yes edited but not like 
what we do today where it's so perfected in the in the pro tools environment or yeah. in a you know digital workstation they didn't do any of that you know there was no real triggering going on they had mm -hmm. to get the tones on the way in with the instruments and the performers and that's where you got you know the musicians that were making the sounds right i mean when you listen to james hetfield's you know rhythm guitars you know it's him you know that mm -hmm. hand you know oh, the, yeah. the, and and when you listen to kirk hammett play you know that's him because of the wah work or whatever it is because he loves the wah you know like in later years not yeah. so much in the early stuff but it was speed you know like their accuracy their their tempos everything was so pushing that you couldn't have tried to quantize it or you know like it would have totally stripped it of its feeling there was no way it could be it had to be what yeah. it was they mm -hmm. found the, the right takes and i'm sure there's hundreds of you know uh, hours of tape of the bad takes and you know things yeah. that they kept you know like keep that one we'll do another one keep that one we'll do another one and there's no playlist like there is in pro tools you no. know it's it's from so from an uh, an engineering standpoint and a technical standpoint that record shines through you know all the way up until the black album you know like everything that like came out you know with metallica in in sonic quality would reached a peak Mm -hmm. And then the Black Album hit, and that was like, whoa, the sounds on that record, Bob Rock's production. But but it came from, you know, Master of Puppets, and which was worlds ahead of the Garage Days album sound, which was terrible. Yeah. You know, and then somehow somewhere in there, St. Anger came out, and I won't go into that, but that sound was not good for, like, the sonic quality of it. You know, or Master there was a, of Puppets. A lot, was a lot of good songs in that record. Great like, songs. Like great riffs. But a lot sonically, of riffs. you know, like, and that's where Master of Puppets shines through. It's like, it's only eight songs. It's like 55 minutes long, mm -hmm. you know, like not a, a, a 12 or 15 song album like people were putting out and some, you know, metal bands, but the song lengths were long mm -hmm. because of their dynamics and the things that they did by breaking down sections and yeah, a lot of bands know, don't guitar write, solos. Don't, a lot of bands don't write those long songs anymore. No, they'll, they'll put 15, like three minute songs as opposed to eight, seven minute songs, you yeah. know, like. And that gave you like what you said, what you did with the record, you know, like what what was the first song on side B of that album? Uh, Disposable Heroes on Master Puppets. Yeah, because I never got into it off of vinyl. I got on cassette. It's eight minutes and seventeen seconds long. Yeah, first song on a on side two, and Battery's the first song. Well, you on got side it on one, CD? Right? Uh, no, I got it on cassette first, and then. Well, wasn't Disposable Heroes on the other side? Side two, it had to be. I think so. Yeah, they split it up A and B the same way. Yeah. But I just had one of those auto flipping cassettes, so I never yeah. knew what side it was on. The yeah. I mean, the best thing about those records, I mean, if you listen to Ride the Lightning, Master of Puppets, and Unjustice for All, yeah. listen to the, you got to go to the track listing. So basically, fight, Fire with Fire, Battery, Blackened. Those are the three lead tracks. Same, Fast Thrash. Yeah. Then you had Ride the Lightning. Master of Puppets and Justice for All. Uh, mid paced. Yeah. Then you had For Whom the Bell Tolls, The Thing That Should Not Be, and what's that third song on the. Oh my God. Unjustice? Yeah, it's after Unjustice. I can't remember. Mellow? Yeah. Uh, I remember now. Yeah, digga, 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 dun, dun, digga, dun, digga, 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 that one. Shortest Straw. No, no, that's not Shortest Straw. No, no, no. But anyway, all th and then you got. Fade to Black, Sanitarium, w one. You know what I'm saying? Like you had everything was the exact formula. Oh, Eye of the Beholder. Eye of the Beholder. You feel okay? Yeah. And then I'm saying those that first side of each one of those records was the same exact formula. 
You had your fast song, mid-pace, super heavy ballad. You know, that's how it broke it up. And the same thing was for side beat. Every one of those records has an instrumental. Yeah. The Call of Cthulhu, or Orion, and uh, that song, uh, fuck, is that, what's that instrumental name? song on Injustice? To, to Live Is To Die. To Live Is To Die. You know, so they, they had like this formula that just worked. You know, but Master, like I said, was the record. I think it, I mean, I, mean, I don't think, I know, it opened doors everywhere. Like, so many bands have been influenced by Metallica. They, they can't, there's no bands out there that can deny their influence from being, from being Metallica. So wait, what was side two of Master? Was the thing that should not be? No, that's yeah. uh, that's the third track of right. uh, first. The, side two was uh, Disposable Heroes, Heroes Leper yeah. Messiah, Orion, yeah. and Damage yeah. Incorporated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you can't get, listen to all, I mean, put together that record. And you listen to it, it's like, man, how? It's so strange, because my experience with it was literally just like, I, I didn't know an A and B side because I had the auto-reversing cassette deck. Mm. So it would reach the end and then flip and then be playing more Metallica, and I wouldn't pay attention to what was see, side one me, or two. That, see, I know. I knew that. I, with I, vinyl, I, that's, a, that's I came from that. Yeah, I came yeah. from that world. But you listening, had to physically, it stopped. And then yeah. did you have the arm that would go back by itself? Yeah, by itself, yeah. And then you had to flip the record. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's just not... Uh, how do God, I, that experience is is going away, and I, I'm sad. Well, no, you know? because now it's, it's back. Now it's back. I mean, yeah. there's the vinyl has, has sold incredibly well year for the last year. ten years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's out doing sales each year as outdone it's, the year it's before. Just such a good experience for a music, you know, music listener and a music lover to actually engage with the music and not just have shuffling, you know, playlists and things yeah. where you're actually like, I wonder how this side starts. And, and <laughs> Master Puppets on vinyl sounds amazing oh yeah i mean especially the remastered yeah, version it sounds they, really they cool knew what and they i got doing. that I, I and the thing is my my master of puppets obsession you know it's like i have a master of puppets mouse pad on my pro tools there, yeah, babe. I, I have a master of puppets blanket master of puppets uh post flag i have a master of puppets remaster box set you got the wall art stuff the yeah. little, little uh squares yeah i got i had i had the i had the back to the front book that talks about them recording back to the front which is a a line off the of disposable heroes on that record back to the front that part that's really one of the best songs on the record and if you noticed on that record at the only song that features a ride symbol is on disposable heroes he doesn't play ride on anything else huh and that's one thing that sticks out like down to get down why Am I dying? That part, he's hitting a ride. But there's no ride anywhere else. Huh. Yeah. He, he actually, he doesn't even use a ride live. Where the ride goes, he's got a China there. Oh, yeah. He's a, I, don't, I don't think he has a ride live. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the, the musicianship on the record, and, and you got, like I said, I listened to it not like the day that it came out. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the 35th anniversary on the third. I put my earbuds in. I listened to it front to back. And I heard little things that I'd never noticed before, too, you know, so, and, and just like, how did they write an album like, like, how did you write an album like this? Like, and the, I think the, the, yeah, the, the one I was listening to has all, it's, it's a huge track list 
that has got recordings of James Hatfield recording Master Puppets on a boombox. Just that riff. Oh, all the bonus Yeah. Like, there's all kinds of demo recordings. And I was like, wow, they wrote this stuff on a boombox where nowadays, you know, we have a Pro Tools rig at home and write it at home. They hit record on a boombox on a cassette, a cassette deck however you could capture the idea yeah. you know that and, was and the, those the, handheld cassette decks were probably the best part handy. too man that like one of the when i went to see him in milwaukee at uh where tj works pfizer's forum oh, where the, the milwaukee the bucks Fizzer, play yeah. Fizzers, whatever so one of my buddies uh sean uh, he worked for three days grace he was working the vip thing with metallica like or something it was like they, I went up there. They had catering. So he hooked me up, and I got in. They had catering, and they had, it was a Metallica museum. So they were traveling with all their all the stuff they've used over the years. They had uh, cases with glass, and you, can see, you, know, you couldn't touch, and they had all their cassettes in, displayed in these cases with, it says... Master of Puppets demo. Uh, what was it? The thing that should not be garage session. Like it had all this stuff from that era, and I'm looking at this. Oh my god! Like that band has more content. <laughs> they have recorded everything, every single thing. No, they're smart. I mean, if In you look at the documentaries that have been out and all the footage that people have captured over the years, they've. They definitely have done it right. And because they own all their stuff and they have their own, like that HQ, you know, where they do everything out of that is they employ like something like 60 or more people, you yeah. know, like they, they are an ecosystem. Like, I think they, they even make their own vinyl. They, they do, do everything. Yeah. They, they bought everything. their own vinyl press. They, they, they're doing it the way that, you know, mega starred bands need to do it, but they came from such like I, I heard the the commercial on the radio the other day for that blackened whiskey that I was I, was, I brought up to you and you're like I have a bottle I'm like yeah. of course you do yeah. I'm like why wouldn't you but the commercial is Lars and James and they're talking about just a bunch of misfits from the Bay Area you know like who knew we could do whiskey and our music made it better I'm like how does music make whiskey better and then I'm like isn't it the whiskey that makes the music better like. And in their world, I'm sure back then there was a lot of whiskey going on. They, they, well, they used to be called Alcoholica. That yeah. was their nickname. Right. And they, they named themselves after their two favorite things, metal and liquor. Yeah. And that was always my thing in the back of my head when I heard the name. I'm like, I wonder where they got that name metal from. Metal and vodka. Yeah. Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you think about that and, and you know, their, their marketing and their, you know, the, the amount of, of, of fandom stuff that like you even have like you know like the little dolls and like all the stuff that they mm -hmm. they put out they're I, I can't imagine what their residuals are i have a seth mcfarlane lars ulrich uh oh like a action doll figure yeah. action figure yeah so i mean they 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 definitely over the years have have invested themselves in a way that now they're they, i mean they don't need to do anything anymore you know they could ride on their laurels for the rest of their lives well they, they don't even have to record new music if they, they don't, don't but to. they do to yeah. stay creative you absolutely know? and they i mean the last album they put out was freaking genius i love oh, hardwired i love I mean, yeah it sounds great it sounds amazing yeah good songs 
and they did the tour the way they did smart where just like little regional like uh, legs mm -hmm. of tours with just you know 10 shows and, and then they took a break and you know they don't have to do you know the touring like they did back in the day which again off of that cycle of master of puppets i mean they did non-stop touring for like till uh and justice came out you know like they were touring constantly they did tour quite a bit it says here that they said they opted for extensive touring instead of releasing a single or video to promote the album. Yeah. But then, I mean, when after that album came out did Cliff die? It was on that tour, right? September. Uh, well, they started from March until August. They were opening for Ozzy in the States. Right. And it's the first time they played like... Uh, arenas. Arenas. And right. It, and it says here during sound checks, the group played riffs from Ozzy Osbourne's previous band. Uh, Black Sabbath. So, and then cool. when when did Cliff die? September twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. Same so that's just year. after the yeah. album came out. Just right. after the well, six or seven months after the record came out. Yeah, yeah. But, and that was a horrible day. I remember uh, living in Puerto Rico around two o'clock in the afternoon. I was in my house, and Kurt Loder from MTV News announced it, and I was crushed. Oh, yeah. And because Metallica down there, Metallica in Puerto Rico is probably just as important as baseball is. Metallica sure. was the band that everybody, they, everybody worshipped Metallica down there. I knew tons of people, including myself. Once uh, Cliff passed, we all wore the same Metallica shirt for a week. So I had the Damage Incorporated shirt. I wore it for a week without washing it. Oh. Everybody. And it stunk a little bit. Yeah. But it was like just showing tribute. I mean, it was a, such a devastating loss to the bass, bass player community, the metal community, the just music industry in general. He was a completely iconic Oh, yeah. No, I figure, mean, I, like you know? I said, I mean, when as, as I discovered Metallica and dove in and hearing like tracks like Orion and even, you know, just the bass lines on, on everything prior to and justice which kind of had no base yeah and i understand you know it was hard for them probably to accept anything other than cliff mm -hmm. as base in metallica right at that point but you know they were just iconic you know i mean he was such a a, a key uh member and and donation to the to the he sound al he also contributed to uh he introduced james hetfield to uh what's this this uh this writer, this book, he write books. Uh, forgot who it was, but that's how James Hetfield started changing his lyrical themes by getting into this, into this guy that Cliff introduced him to. Because the lyrics, if you listen to the lyrics from "Kill 'Em All" to "Ride the Lightning," there's a huge maturity level of lyric writing. And uh, I forgot the name of the H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Uh, he started write, uh, reading H.P. Lovecraft. I think that's the, the name. And Burton introduced him to that. And Burton brought in a lot of melodies. He, brought, he had a sense of melody about his playing, too. And if you listen on Kill Em All, he's got that anesthesia pulling teeth, that bass solo. It says bass solo, take one, or whatever it was. Yeah, I just looked that up. It says H.P. Lovecraft, yeah. Yeah, so that basically helped James, like by Cliff introducing that to James, I know there was a lot of lyrical inspiration behind 
lot of Metallica songs. I don't know if it's based on the book. Yeah, or... the the Call of Cthulhu yeah. is based on H.P. Lovecraft's works, and that was on '84. So that was what Ride, Ride, the, Ride Lightning. the Lightning. That was yeah. the last song on the record. Right. That's so... an instrumental one. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. And the yeah. thing that should not be was also H.P. Lovecraft Cthulhu Mythos. Mm-hmm. So that. Yeah, so when I dove in into Metallica, I dove in into a lot. Like I wanted to know everything that had to be about that had to be known about that band. And there's tons of stuff I don't know, but uh, there's a a lot that I do. I mean, that's just the love that I have. Like I said, there's just a relationship with me and Master Puppets. And I've always said, whenever I die, I want my Master Puppets collection to be in the box. If I get a a coffin, I might get cremated. I don't know, but a coffin. I want all my Master Puppet stuff in there. Over the years, you know, Metallica has has traversed so many different things as far as, you know, pioneering the the fight against uh, illegal streaming and, you know, all all to be full circled when they did their Twitch stream a few weeks back and the music got replaced because they thought it was copywritten music. And that was the funniest thing, Metallica playing their own music. That they own. That they own and they copyright <laughs> got censored on Twitch because... What was the video game music that they had? They, they just replaced it with this like weird... It's not, they called it Twinkie music, which is like just so piped dumb. in, you know, synthesizer music over... But they still were jamming. Like you could still see them playing because the other stream that was going on YouTube didn't do it because no. YouTube knows verified Metallica. I mean, no. it was on their page. How does Twitch not verify Metallica? They they just didn't do it yet because they've been hit with so many lawsuits over the last few months from people using unlicensed music that anything that triggers their algorithm just gets automatically replaced. YouTube used to do that by just replacing your music with silence, you know, and then and or they would offer you a choice of tracks that you could use. But Metallica's verified on YouTube and I don't understand how they're not verified on Twitter. On Twitch. Or Twitch. Twitch. Yeah. They're freaking Metallica. That's funny. So, you know, it's it's it almost is ironic that they got flagged for streaming their own music, which they own. It wasn't like someone tried to pirate it. I know, because they definitely own everything. And they were playing their own music. It was uh, From Whom the Bell Tolls. And as soon as that song triggered, the algorithm picked it up as, oh, this is somebody else's song. and But it was theirs. And then it got so what they played for the, when the Bell Tolls? It was during, yeah, that. They started well, with... What was the, the, the stream for? Uh, it was just a live stream on Twitch. They were doing like everybody else is doing now. Like Twitch is really starting to become a platform. Free? I think so, yeah. yeah. And Twitch is becoming a platform now for artists to do so their live So if we streams. do, Nonpoint does a live stream on Twitch, are they going to replace our music with... I don't know. Video game stuff? I don't know. Once you've verified on Twitch, then you shouldn't be. Because we did start a channel. We only had nine followers there, so I guess we're not verified. No, no, you have to get a bunch of, uh, you also have to have a bunch of hours of streaming before they verify you. Yeah. Like, so we'll, we'll get on that. We have an account. Yeah. Just have Well, Metallica has one too. That they can't use, I guess. That they tried to use, but so now it's been cleared up, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I would assume so. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure somebody been... said, dude, uh, hello. Yeah. Did you realize <laughs> that you just censored a band from playing their own music and that band was Metallica? The biggest metal band in the world. And of course, the, you know, their stuff is in the algorithm. The computer's like, no, that's Metallica. It's like, yeah, that's Metallica. Metallica's mm-hmm. playing Metallica. <laughs> Imagine that. Metallica sounds just like Metallica when they're playing Metallica. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's, oh you know, God. at least the algorithm's working. They're that's like, hilarious. hey, that sounds just like uh, um, From Whom the Bell Tolls. But yeah, man, like Metallica, like I said, that, that record, probably still to this day untouched for me, man. Still my top album of all time and, and probably will forever be the top album of all time. 
Well, right. I mean, it's a good one to have as your top because they have, like I said, they've lasted what almost forty years now. Like yeah. they're going into their their fourth decade as a band. So. Well, that record's thirty five years old, so they had two records prior. That's what I'm saying. That. They're they're going into their so fourth. I think decade. when was a uh, Kill 'Em All release? Eighty three. Eighty three. Okay, eighty three. I think eighty three. Well, we're gonna, gonna are you gonna do the I'm, Google I'm check? Gonna, I'm gonna find it. Right. So I think it was eighty three, and then so they released three records in three years. Well, maybe three records in four years. That's still a lot. Well, uh, hang on. Let me see. With here. us, it's always been like every two years, and now we're finally breaking that tradition. Uh, 83, Kill em All. 84, Ride the Lightning. 86, Master. 88, Justice. 91, Black. Then Load, Reload, St. Anger, Death Magnetic. And then eight years before Hardwired. Yeah, they took a long break. Well, I mean. Well, they, they actually kept playing that whole time. They yeah. toured that entire time. Yeah, yeah. For eight years, they toured. Like, with just uh, um, supporting Death Magnetic. Yeah. That's a good record, too. I like that record. I like it, too. I mean, I think uh, the production, I think, is decent for what it is. I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem. So they're kind of due for a new record soon, aren't they? They're actually uh, from, they wrote all last year. Uh -oh. They've been writing stuff, uh -oh. so they probably will do... Well, they did the last time because we were on tour. I was on Facebook or something. I saw something about Hardwired. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, Metallica's got a new song. And I went, for, we, everybody on the bus was in the front lounge. We watched it. And I was just floored. Mm -hmm. And the first song ever, I, I think, I want to say, their first song ever with an actual legit thrash beat that got to number one. Oh yeah, on Active Rock. Yeah, yeah, that that was a big chart for them. Like that that record had four singles, I think. Yeah, four. Oh yeah, because they did it like that. They would drop a, a like a single. Right well, they did another. a video for every song. Yeah, Hardwired, Atlas Rise, Now That We're Dead, and Moth Into a Flame. Moth Into a Flame, yeah. And those are the four. Singles. They they did a but they did a video for every single song, for that record, which I thought was wow, that's awesome. On Apple Music, they have 26 songs on Hardwired. What is it, like a live stuff? Yeah, they have like Ride the Lightning Live, Four Horsemen Live. That's the thing, man. That band has so many live shows recorded. Well, they record every night, and they sell them on their website. Well, yeah, it's the Deluxe Edition 2016 release. That they have um, all these shows, and they put them out when they do these re-releases. Yeah. They, they played at a record store in... Uh, for record store day by where they live in say in california they it's on the it's online for sale like it's on one of the streaming sites yeah apple music has every song off of hardwired in music video form as well mm -hmm. so you they, can, yeah they did a video for every song that's amazing but then again they can they're metallica yeah so they yeah. can do whatever they want that's it's it's very rare that you know i mean it's a, a once in a lifetime scenario where a band can do that and they're very giving but charities oh yeah they give so much i was reading the other day like they gave seventy five thousand to the people in texas you know for, why and, why, and why they say with all the money that's all they gave that's what people were saying so you know how many charities and metallica gives to and there's also a limit to what you can give to charity before they start looking at you like you know you're trying to give away your money so you're not paying taxes yeah i mean yeah. maybe that's the case but still the amount of money that metallica gives away from every show they give away money to charity every single time. And I don't think people realize that they have an overhead. <laughs> like I said, they have 60 people working there. 
They got to pay all those people. Yeah, they actually have their own charity organization called All Within My Hands. Yep. So they give like they gave a hundred thousand to California Wildlife, a million dollars to U.S. Community Colleges, one point three million dollars with a benefit show. Like they're just always giving. So you're right. They actually the article I'm, I'm I, I read was called Metallica might be the world's most charitable metal band, as well as the most profitable. <laughs> <laughs> they get they they have done some amazing things for people. And when people start complaining about how much they give, they don't realize to how many different charities they give to. Yeah, they've grossed one point four billion dollars since nineteen eighty two. In ch- for charity? No, just like they're the biggest touring act, their career gross of one point four million dollars. Billion. So that's how much Metallica has made since nineteen eighty two. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> I wonder how much of that comes from that whiskey. I'm sure they're doing very well with the whiskey. You haven't tried it though. No, I have not tried it. I wonder what it tastes. It was like. a gift. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't buy it. It was a gift. A person ordered it. One of my friends ordered it and got like three of them, or something like that. So they gave me one. Nice. Because I'm, I'm. I'm cool with that. Yeah, they, they definitely have. I mean, there's so many articles online about them donating and charities, raising different amounts of money with concerts and benefit shows. And I mean, what do they need to make? They've been making so much money for so many years. They're, I would do that. I mean, yeah, I'm, why not? I'm sure you guys would do that if, if, we, you had had that, that. if we had that kind of money. You're crazy. We'd be doing that all the time. Yeah. That'd be great. But anyway, uh, yeah, man, I, I can't go wrong with a band like that. Still to this day, I mean, relevant you know have not lost a step you know and james like in these last couple live streams james sounded down great Mm -hmm. Uh, they did a a version of battery uh the other day oh that's so funny did you did you see that no okay so they have a backdrop master puppets back old school master puppets backdrop so i get on facebook right and this guy messaged me so hey, did you see the Metallica thing? He said, I gave him that backdrop. So apparently he found that backdrop on eBay and bought it and gave it to the band. I guess it was maybe it was theirs. Yeah. And they, you know, either auctioned it off, then somebody was trying to sell it. Well, they sold it, but then Metallica got it back and they used that backdrop for the for them playing battery. Oh wow was super cool but I, I don't know where they did it i wonder if they did it at the same place where they did enter sandman for colbert maybe they just hung the backdrop yeah on the thing on the all the shelving and stuff the warehouse thing that they have i wonder if that's their warehouse well i did see the the twitch thing was from their warehouse because they have an insane amount of cabs yeah they have <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff on the walls like all their like gear and stuff pushed up against the walls i mean it looks like a small rehearsal space, but it's not. It's just that full of gear. Phil Demel, Phil Demel went to uh, HQ. He got invited to go, and he got to hold James Hetfield's Explorer. It says, eat fuck. They had it on a piece of tape. It's a white Explorer. Gets an Explorer, and you go in and see the amount of guitars those dudes have. It's insane like oh, how I'm much sure. they have. Like they when, have when, uh, gear for years. Yeah, when, when Trujillo joined, they had the amount of bases that they had there. They had so many bases. He didn't. He have the. He didn't even come with the bass. No. They have bases there. He said, "Do you have a five string?" Oh yeah, we got like ten of them over here. Well, they had tons, of, tons of stuff, man. I bet a lot of it was just given too. 
Yeah, probably. You know, com- companies and- trying to you know that. Yeah. I saw like uh, like there's they have an insane amount of guitar heads. They have Friedman heads. They have Diesels, Bogners, Marshalls, all kinds of stuff. Everything they've ever wanted. But they uh, have failed plays with an XFX now, so he doesn't. Really? Yeah, he doesn't play with a guitar. No uh, Kempers for them, huh? No, no Kemper. I don't know. Not sure if Hammett plays with a XFX. I'm not sure. Huh? Would be interesting to see them with Kemper. Well, I could get the, the the tones night after night, you know. Well, the thing is, I I, I remember the first time I ever played on a Kemper was one that they then uh, it was one that came from the factory, and they had it said Metallica and Justice for All, Metallica Master of Puppets, Metallica, and I got on and it was the exact guitar tone. Nice. It's same with Pantera. They had a uh, Cowboys from Hell, like preset. That is preset that you yeah. want to play a vulgar. You played it and you were sounding exactly like it. Wow. It was pretty crazy. Well, that's how they got people, you know, like it's demoing like what people want. I want to sound like this, and there yeah, it is. Yeah, but what sucks is when when uh, the went to format or whatever, it erased it all. Uh, wow. You I'm can so, get it back. So pissed. They get, I, I'll find it for you. Yeah. Let's put it on the on the Kemper here. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I guess uh, we've been talking quite a bit, huh? Yeah. Those Master of Puppets is, uh, you know, a good a good topic, so... Yeah, we went into it. We 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 dove deep in other stuff too. Yeah, so more more about everything that is Metallica as far as band and brand. I mean, they've they've traversed the years and the time and and set a standard for you know music in the industry. So I think that a lot of people should mold them their own career paths after that. You know, like work like they do, capture the content like they do, and put it out like they do. And they're very uh, very involved in social media too. Lars is. Constantly posting. Oh, he's always been the press guy, so. Yeah, but Kirk and Rob, they all post. And, and I think James posts a little bit. Makes more of the. Yeah. He doesn't. I don't even think he does the meet and greets when they do them. But uh, he's more like the quiet guy. He's like the Neil Pert, I think, yeah. of the band. Well, he is. Neil Pert was like that. He didn't do the meet and greets. He just didn't like the attention, I guess. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm I'm eager to listen to a new record. I can't wait. How long ago did Hardwire come out? 2016. So it's been four years, five, yeah. almost five. This will be the fifth year, so maybe there'll be some new Metallica this year. Yeah, maybe. No, not. No, hopefully, we'll have to wait another eight years. No. I don't want to wait another eight years for new Metallica. I don't think they want to either. I mean, they've been active on their, like you said, social platforms and doing live streaming stuff. And, you know, their charitable stuff will probably have them playing concerts. And Well, too, then the pandemic, I mean, they've been able to write. And record yeah. new stuff, so hopefully oh, yeah. we'll get to see uh, here new and see new Metallica here soon. So, but anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, you guys enjoy the chat. Uh, we'll be probably maybe covering stuff like this. Uh, let us know if you want to talk. Want us to talk about a specific band, and we can go down the rabbit hole. Uh, you know, with that band, or specific albums from specific bands. Yeah, and we can do like our little review or whatever, whatever you want, our thoughts, a deep stuff. dive. But uh, anyway, uh, thank you guys. If you have any questions, uh, robcastpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on all the socials at robcastpodcast. Give us those reviews on Apple, right? Apple? Apple, yeah. Apple. iTunes. You know, give us uh, give us those likes and stuff. So Stars. Yeah, give it the stars. That's what I was looking for. Give us give the us stars. stars. Give us stars. All right, you guys have a good one. Take care. Peace.